In the grand theater of life, we all seek a comeback, a resurgence, a rekindling of our inner fire. But how do we spark that flame? Welcome to Reignite Resilience. This is not just another podcast. This is a journey, a venture into the heart of human spirit, the power of resilience, and the art of reigniting our passions. Welcome back to part two of the interview with Larry Kendall. We are so excited to have you back. We have been able to celebrate the launch of Vintas Ninja, the Spanish version of the Ninja Selling book. And today we're going to visit with Larry to hear a little bit about the clues that he's received along the way that have really helped him in navigating through challenging times in life and reinforcing the fact that he's on the right path. We hope you enjoy. Pam and I started out sharing with everyone how Ninja has impacted our lives. I'd love to hear just from your perspective, how has Ninja impacted your personal life? Yeah. Well, it's definitely changed things. I didn't ever expect, as I said, I didn't have this dream. The dream had me and I just kind of answered the call mm-hmm. when the calls came, you know, and before not, before long, here we are, you know, we have a, an organization we're training in our four day classes, about a thousand students a month mm-hmm. in our online, another five or 600 a month. Then with our coaching program, you guys are both ninja coaches, you know, we're, we're making an impact there. I think the big breakthrough with ninja was when we were able to scale it. You know, 15 years ago, it was me and Lauren. Yeah, I was doing what I could to try to run a company and raise a family and teach. And I think the big breakthrough was when we were able to leverage and bring in other instructors, the coaches. Mm-hmm. Garrett's done the same thing with the coaching. He used to be the coach. He's been able to scale that with now quite a few coaches. And so our reach is a lot bigger now. We're able to impact more people. I think one of the things that's great about Ninja is the name because the name, it's a scalable name. Yes. And so for most people, most of our Ninja clients, the face of Ninja to them is Natalie Davis or Pam Cass or Garrett Mm -hmm. Fry or, Mm -hmm. you know, one of our instructors. It's not Larry Kent. I'm this mythical guy that wrote the book, but I'm not Ninja. Okay. And most other trainers in the, in the real estate space have named their training companies after themselves. And so if you go to one of their events, you expect to see them there. Well, we're typically doing five or six events a week mm-hmm. all over the U.S. and Canada. And I'm not there. You know, we've got one of our instructors or our coaches are, are out there doing the work. So I think that's one thing that's very unique about Ninja as well as the business model. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Larry, I'd love to talk a little bit about balancing work and personal life. Um, I think not only in the real estate industry, I think everyone in any industry kind of deals with this, but what are some challenges of achieving that work-life balance that everybody's kind of looking for, especially in the real estate industry? You know, a lot of the inspiration for Ninja Selling comes with that exact challenge. One other thing that I didn't mention, and two people that have really had a big influence, I think, on me and on Ninja. One was Steve Murray at Real Trends. He's mm-hmm. the one that tracks all the real estate companies and is the one that found out and called me and said, did you guys know that you're the most productive? Which really kind of put us on the map, yes. if you will. The second person that had a big influence on that was Howard Brenton. And at the time, Howard had what's called star power. And Howard would go around, find top producing realtors around the U.S. and Canada and would interview them. And then he had a recording. You could subscribe to that and you would get a recording of that interview. I ended up being one of his stars that he interviewed. I was actually the very first person that he interviewed that was, at the time, a manager. Most of them were um, 
the top producing salespeople. And I said, well, Howard, I'm a man. He says, I know. This was in the early 2000s and the growth of teams. Now, late 90, late 90s, early 2000s growth of teams. He said, a lot of these top producers are building teams. They don't have a clue how to manage a team, anybody other than themselves and maybe an assistant. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to talk about that. And that particular recording went viral. Mm-hmm. And he then invited me to teach in uh, Star Power University. So I was traveling around with Howard. Typically, we would have a cadre of four instructors, myself and three others. These were some of the most amazing real estate people I've ever met. I remember one was Bob Bolin from Michigan. That year, Bob had listed just with himself and an assistant close to 400 houses. He was listing a house a day. He was a machine. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching, I'm watching this and I'm picking up ideas and tips from mm-hmm. him, which a lot of which kind of filtered into the ninja selling system and into the book. But what I also noticed was a lot of them were, they're working 24 seven. Yeah. You know, and getting back to work life balance is where I'm going with this. And a lot of them, you know, they had, in some cases, they had lost their health or they lost their marriage or they, you know, they, they were just working all the time. And then I noticed Jim Dunlap and Jim at the time was making, this is in the, in the eighties, late nineties. He was making a quarter of a million a year. He admitted working about 20 hours a week. Wow. And he was teaching handicap skiing in the winter. He was a professional bike racer in the summer. He had two, a wife and two little boys. You know, he was making a quarter of a million back when that would be equivalent probably to making 500000 to a million dollars today, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, he was doing 50 transactions to do that because our average sales price was so much less back then. And I thought, you know, this should be the role model going forward for a lot of people can't relate to these mega producers, to, you know, that are doing 400 listings a year or they, I was teaching with one guy, he had a team of 42. So he was running a 42 person team in Maryland. And the problem with that is you have the overhead of a company, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of top producers say, you know, I don't know that I want to have a million a month in overhead, mm-hmm. you know, or what's the option? And so I felt like the option might be, could we show you a way that you could have high income per hour and still have a life? Yeah. And that's really the mission of Ninja Selling. How can we teach you to have a high income per hour and still have a life? And you can do that with a team as well. Not to say that don't form a team. I just, earlier this week on Monday, I was fortunate enough to have a a meeting with Jonathan Spears from Florida. And Jonathan has a fairly small team, about eight, I think, licensed people. And then he's got a staff. And their team in Florida did 480 million last year, to give you an idea. And if you work that out, it's about 50 million or thereabouts per, mm-hmm. per team member, per licensed team member. So, I mean, yeah. they're cooking. And here's Jonathan has a second home in Beaver Creek. He's up there for three weeks in July. Yeah. His happy time is there. He comes in the winter for another two or three weeks to ski. He's having this great lifestyle. And yet, you know, he's, he built this unbelievable business. Wow. So we talked a lot about, you know, how you do that. And it starts with saying, well, that's my goal. My goal isn't, you know, more income. My goal is more income per hour so I can have a life. Yeah. How how can I structure my life to be able to do that? And -hmm. and I think that people go through phases. I think the first phase is survival. And that first year or two, you are working more hours than you want to. But then you find you finally get it together. And then the next step for you is, okay, how can I do this? and maintain altitude and have a life. Well, I think that's where you need to bring in an assistant. We could talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, how you do that. And then if you're a rainmaker and you're bringing more business in than you you can handle and you say, you know, I don't want to work weekends. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get a buyer's agent, okay, to help me with that. Or Mm -hmm. I don't, I have kids and I want to be 
mom or dad after five o'clock, you know, then you need to start you know, bringing in people to help you. And it usually starts with an assistant and then usually a transaction coordinator and then usually a buyer assistant. And you kind of work your way along that way. I think the other thing within Ninja, if you read the chapters on Pi Time, really documenting how you're spending your time and, and making sure that you know where your hours are going and that you're smart about it. So Love it. Love it. Do you have personal strategies for maintaining that healthy balance? Because, I mean, you speak, you are an instructor. I mean, you do a lot of instructions. You you do a ton. So how do you kind of maintain that healthy balance in your life? Well, I feel like I've got a healthy balance and my wife feels that way. But a lot of people who would look at me would probably say no. (laughs) So my typical day, if you will, is I'm an early riser. So I'm a member of the 5 a.m. club. So I'm up at 5 a.m. What I like about that time is it's quiet Mm -hmm. and I can do my Ninja 5. I can do all this. Nobody's going to be messing with me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's when I do my creative work is the first thing. So once I've got my gratitudes and my affirmations and my notes and all that out of the way, I typically will be writing a workshop. Right now I'm writing another book, which is a leadership book. And so it's on how you run a, a Ninja sales organization. So the creative time comes early. And then, of course, if I'm teaching, then I go off to teach or maybe it's teaching online or you've got paperwork. I don't right now have an assistant. So, I mean, we've got a pretty big organization with Ninja and I've got a lot of people there that do a lot of the work, but I don't have a personal assistant right now. But my goal is I pretty much start at five in the morning and I pretty much quit at five in the afternoon. So I work a 12 hour day and at five o'clock, I want to shut down and be with Pat. And we we do stuff throughout the day. We might take a walk around the lake as a break, you know, to do something with her. That's pretty much my routine most every day. Yeah. You know, as we, I listen to you, the word boundaries comes up for me. And I think that's where all of us, whether you're a realtor or whatever, not having clear boundaries for uh, what you're going to say yes to, what you're going to say no to, I think is really important. So how do you create healthy boundaries so that you can shut off at five o'clock at night and, and be able to spend that time with Pat and your family? Well, I think with some of the uh, exposure with Ninja Selling, that brings with it a lot of uh, distraction. So you have a lot of people wanting you to do different things. You have to pick and choose, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're going to do. You have to, as you say, set boundaries or come up with a criteria. Mm -hmm. Um, My mission is to change lives, change careers, and change the sales industry. I think the way we teach selling is very different. I think it's it's how sales ought to be done versus the old school churn and burn type of approach. So I'm interested in anything that will do that. So, you know, knowing what your mission is, sticking to your mission. If it doesn't fit that mission, no, I'm not really too interested in that. You know, at this stage, I've got to kind of be aware of what kind of, if I'm going to invest an hour, like in this particular podcast, if we're going to invest an hour together, are we going to be able to leverage and affect more people? Yes. You know, if somebody was to call and say, "Would could you do an hour interview with me? Well, is it going to be broadcast out? Is it going to affect others? You know, that would be, mm-hmm. that would be important. So. Yeah, um, yeah I love that. Yeah. 
I think that's a beautiful piece. And Pam, you're right. Larry is plugged in in so many places. And and Mm -hmm. I think it's important for all of us to get to that point that we can have those clear boundaries on what we are saying yes and what we're saying no to. What I think is so powerful with Ninja is being able to increase your dollar per hour so that you can have a life. The Mm -hmm. challenge is not the increasing your dollar per hour so much, but more of people understanding what that life entails, right? What makes up that life that you want to have. I know personally, my first experience with a four-day ninja installation, I had no idea what I wanted my life to look like, right? That was the big aha. The action items, the skill set, those are things that I can learn, but I never took the time to sit down and think, well, what do I want my life to look like? What experiences do I want to have? Where do I want to travel? What does that look like? So giving yourself that opportunity to be so clear on what you want your life to look like and feel like and the experiences that you want to have before you say yes or no to anything, because it will definitely help in setting those boundaries. Natalie, you just beautifully described what we call living a life on purpose versus on accident. Exactly. You know, once you're really clear on why you're here, what you want to do, some of the goals you have, that then clears up some of the boundaries. It, It just puts everything into perspective. So many people live on accident. They get up in the morning and they're basically drifting. Yes. And they're going to see what life brings for them that day and uh, versus taking control of their life and living on purpose. So beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Larry, let's shift gears a little bit and kind of take a look at the successes that you've had in the various companies that you've launched. So I have to say, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of company leaders, both Ninja and non-Ninja companies across the country. And you're spot on in terms of looking at associates production level. I don't think there's another brokerage out there that has the number of top producing agents or at least the level of production for Mm -hmm. agents as the group, which is huge. But I think with that success, there are always lessons that are learned along the way. What are some of those lessons that you've learned that you could share with everyone that's either looking at starting a brokerage, starting a team, getting into sales in general? What are some of those lessons that you would share with folks? You know, I'd like to share another dark experience that I had and how that turned into a very positive and a little exercise that people could do. I mentioned that early on, I said, I want to make a, at least my investment career in real estate. And later my sale turned out to be my sales career as well. I went to college to be an architect. I ended up not graduating in architecture. I graduated in business, but I always had that architecture love and wanted to create buildings and neighborhoods and so on. So there was a phase there at the group where for about 10 years, we were in the development business, a fairly big time. And we developed over a thousand lots. We had a home building company. We built two office parks. And what was interesting is that that came with a lot of stress, a lot of financial stress. We were borrowing multiple millions of dollars, lots of stress standing at a planning and zoning meeting, wondering if your project's going to get approved. And about that time, a good friend of mine named Paul Cordes, he was a trainer at Hewlett Packard. He was doing a class at the group on helping you find your purpose. And he had us do an exercise called the timeline. And I think I've shared it with both of you. You may be uh, remembering it. But he said, think of your life as a timeline. Draw a line on a piece of paper and go back to the first experience that you can remember as a kid. And above the line, I want you to put your best experiences of your life, your highlights, when you felt the most confident, the most proud, the most excited. And then below the line, I want you to put the experiences you had that were your lowlights, when you felt the most frustrated or the most stressed or the most unloved or the most alone. 
Well, I did that. And what I discovered was, other than the death of my mother in a car wreck, all of my ones below the line were in the development business. Mm. And here I was trying to be in the development business. And Paul's point is this, all of us are here for a purpose. And our job is to figure out what that purpose is. And the universe is going to give you clues. Are you listening? Yeah. Well, the universe was giving me clues. He says, everything below the line is what you should stop doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> you were getting the clues. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. And, and, you know, there's experiences below the line over which you don't have any control. I didn't have any control of my mom, her car wreck, but I did have control of these other things and it was not working for me and it was causing stress for me, even though we were, quote, yeah. successful. Yeah. You know, we were making money and winning awards and doing stuff. Yeah. But it was taking a toll and it said to me, this is probably not what I'm designed to do. This mm-hmm. is probably not why I'm here. Yes. Okay. Now, above the line, everything that above the line had been when I was either teaching or leading a company. Yeah. And I said, you know, I need to do more of that. I'm going to get. And so we shut down our development company. We sold all of our lot. Wow. We just got out of that business, took about a year to unwind it. And we got out of that business. And that's when. It was like a year later, I started teaching the ninja selling classes. Mm. And I said, you know, Paul, what came up for me is I need to get out of developing land and get into developing people. Yeah. And so that was a, a big aha for me. And I, I would encourage people to, um, to do that little exercise. You know, it's not easy when you're 18 or 19, but when you're 30, 40 years old, at that point, you have enough life experiences mm-hmm. that, you know, the universe is giving you clues as to if you're on the right path or not. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think it's kind of one of those things where once you figure that out and you put all of your energy into doing the things mm-hmm. that bring you success, whether it's personal fulfillment or the impact you have on other people, it's a game changer in your life. It I know that the stuff that Natalie and I to do, like this podcast, I think about it. I mean, we're both very busy to take on something like this is like, what are you thinking? But every time we do it, it's like, it just brings me all this energy. And you can tell that when you're teaching and when you're speaking and when you're being interviewed, the passion that you have behind it, the energy you have is just incredible. And it's such a gift when you can figure out what that is. So once you figure that out, it makes all the difference. You know, once I figured out what was right for me, that I need to pour more energy into the group, more more energy into teaching, less energy into standing at planning and zoning meetings, arguing with the planning and zoning board. That's when our company turbocharged to the next level and started winning national awards. And are you with me? Yeah. Once you get really clear, and not just on what you want, but what you're designed for, why you're here, it's powerful. We just did a podcast on it's okay to start over. And that's what that makes me think of. The things that we hold on to for some reason, it's, I don't know if it's fear or whatever. It's like you were holding on to that development piece of it. Yeah. Uh, but then once you let it go, it was like you said, it was just like a rocket launching. And yeah. so, yeah, that's such, such a powerful thing. Well, I, I, I think people hold on to things for a variety of reasons, right? Yeah. We look at it, fear. A lot of it is ego sometimes, right? Like, yes. well, it's this my identity. Is this who I am? Will people yeah. recognize me if I stop doing this? And yeah. comfort, right? I mean, yes, it, it fell below the line for you, Larry, but you were still good at it, right? I mean, you were <laughs> yeah. successful yeah. at it. So do you release it if you're seeing the success? And in your instance, absolutely. It wasn't filling your bucket. It wasn't bringing you the joy that you wanted to have in your life. And as a result, you opened up additional doors for even more success beyond that, but just in a different capacity. Now, sometimes you have to release 
Yes. Some things yeah. to have the capacity then to move on. Yeah. yeah. I love, love that. I love yeah. that. Larry, what advice would you give aspiring realtors that want to get into this business and have success? Uh, some of the things we've just talked about, I think it's yeah. important. Why do you want to be in this business? You know, yes. having a why, it doesn't have to be real estate related. It could mm-hmm. be I want to provide for my family. Real estate's a great way to do that. But you need to be pretty clear on that. Otherwise, we live in a distracting industry. Yes. And and you could become on accident very, very quickly. So that would be number one. Number two then would be to adopt a system to get you there, which I think the Ninja Selling System is a good one. Obviously, we would uh, recommend that. You want to make sure that, you know, one thing we haven't talked too much about is your philosophy of sales Adam Grant at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania did a study on the winning business strategy. And what he found was there's three strategies. One strategy is what he calls the giver strategy, which is the strategy we promote, which is how do you create value in somebody's life? The second strategy is the taker strategy. How do you extract value from somebody? And the third strategy is the matcher strategy. How do you exchange value? And what he found was long-term, the most successful strategy is the giver or the creation of value strategy. A lot of the sales courses that are out there are more about the taker or the how do we extract value. The problem with that is you develop a reputation as a taker and it's hard to build relationships. And we're all about building relationships long-term that not only do you do well in business, but you create these relationships and that brings you some joy, you know, and purpose in in life and, and all of that. So I think Getting that all handled in your brain is, you know, why are you here? What are you trying to do? How do you create value for people? How do you help them go from the life they have to the life they dream about? The more you do that, the money will flow. Money flows to people who create value. And then you get down into how am I spending my time? Am I spending my time to do that? Mm -hmm. Or am I distracted? Am I wasting my time? Am I living on purpose or am I on accident? Am I a drifter? How do I track my time? And is it time for me to hire an assistant or what all of those kind of pieces kind of flow together. But it starts with what you said earlier, both of you about knowing what your purpose is. Why are you here? What what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Larry, you say it over and over again. You, Your focus is really being able to help people, taking them from the life that they have to the life that they dream about. And you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. Just And so thank you for sharing your stories. I feel that you yourself have, you've lived through your own mission. Uh, so yeah. share with us, what's on the horizon for the next chapter for Larry Kendall? What does it look like? What are you excited about for this next chapter outside of the book? I'm excited to see the next book yes. Um, yes. as well. Yeah, the next book is a priority, but I think the bigger priority is to make sure that Ninja Selling becomes a legacy organization. You know, I'm I'm in the final quarter of my life and, you know, I'm not going to live forever. None of us are getting out of this alive. So we need to always remember that. And so what I want to make sure is young people like the two of you, some of our coaches, instructors, carry the ninja message forward and that it survives. Next year will be our 30th year of ninja. Wow. My hope would be that it goes at least another 30 years, even though I'm not there. So that's what I'm working. I'm trying to put those pieces in place with the right people and the right structure, the right core values, making sure that we stick to our core values, which is to create value for people. And I think we'll be fine. 
That's beautiful. Well, ninja selling has personally transformed my life. It has been pivotal. It's actually, if I were drawing my line, it's one of those dots that would fall on my line, absolutely above the line and has shaped a lot of who I am and where I am today. I shared in an earlier episode, Pam and I typically do a think week each year and it happens to happen in Mexico. I know, you guys are (laughs) famous for your think weeks. Yes, we, (laughs) we enjoy that. And, you know, talking to the customers, Customs agent, when we were coming back, it was interesting because you get posed with the question, is it business or is it pleasure? And I said, well, it's a little of both. And and she asked, well, what are you escaping? I said, nothing. I love my life. I have a fabulous yeah. life. I'm not escaping anything. This is in addition to. Um, uh-huh. And I absolutely feel that Ninja Selling has been pivotal in me reaching that point because before Ninja Selling, I don't know if I would have been able to say that I'm just living the life of my dreams, but I'm there now and it's fabulous. So thank you for sharing your personal story with us today. My honor. Yeah. yeah and, and mine's kind of that same story. When I look at adversity that I've gone through in my life, Ninja got me through a, a lot of those that have happened recently. And I just can't imagine what my life would be like today if I hadn't decided to make that scary leap from my old company over to the group real estate, which brought you into my life, which just just the snowball of things that started to happen that have gotten me to where I'm at today. And I just feel incredibly blessed and honored that you're part of my world. And so, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing. If people want to know more or find out more about Ninja Selling, where would you recommend they go? Well, I'd recommend they go to ninjaselling.com. There's a lot of resources there. Check out in particular Ninja U. There's a lot of complimentary resources on there as far as uh, interviews and systems and so on. So yeah, ninjaselling.com would be the best. Perfect. And then your book, they can get your book on Audible and they can get it at Amazon or really any bookstore, right. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wonderful. And then do you have a time frame for when the next book is coming out? You know, it always takes longer than you yeah. think. Right now, I'm about 20% through writing it, the draft. Okay. And so I'm actually in a, the next six weeks or so is a slower period for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, teaching wise. So my goal is to try to get the uh, the draft done certainly by the end of the year, but hopefully by this fall. So it can be go to uh, my editors. Perfect. So to be continued. So that'll, yes. that'll come soon. So yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I just got to tell you how great it is to be together. First of all, we were all groupies together. Yes. And, yes. and Pam still is. <laughs> yes. And uh, Natalie, before you moved away, uh, we were groupies. And now we're ninjas together. So I know. I love it. I love it. Next chapter. I love it. I love it. Well, anything else, Natalie, before we wrap up today? No, I just want to say how grateful I am for you, Larry. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to, let's say, hearing the call, answering the call that you received because you, again, not only impacting the lives of both Pam and I, but so many lives across the, across the world. So thank you for listening to the call and answering it. And again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to share with everyone a little bit of insight about you and who you are and, and your journey, because it's not just rainbows and daisies. Everyone always sees the highlight reel and they think that it's rainbows and daisies. And we go through some times and and moments in life that we have to really overcome those. And thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable and sharing that with us today. It's my honor. Thank you. Thanks for the great work you guys are doing. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So until next time, if you found this episode valuable, please share it on social media with your friends so that we can continue to grow the community that we're building and continuing to reignite resilience. Thanks guys. Until next time. 
Thank you for joining us today. Remember to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with others who are seeking to reignite their resilience. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the remarkable power of resilience. Until next time, keep the fire of resilience burning bright in your hearts. Bye, guys. Thank you.